We've asked for it, if it exists. No, uh, I'm not sure yet that it exists. Probably does, possibly does. Uh, I'll have a full report on that from Mike when he comes back. The president there talking about the disappeared uh, Saudi Arabian journalist, American uh, resident. I'm surprised how big a deal this is in the Congress. Some of it's just because they want to accuse Donald Trump of not doing the right thing or not doing the right thing quickly enough. And, you know, they, they, meaning politicians on both sides, run uh, these things up the flagpole to see who salutes all the time, see if they can get a good hot political football going uh, or not. That's part of it. I'm just and I don't like journalists or anybody. Actually, this guy was more of an insider dissident and the Saudi, uh, the, the Saud family, the faction that gained control was not his faction. So it's it's very different than just a journalist getting disappeared, which is obviously reprehensible. But um, I'm not in favor of that. Obviously, it's horrible. But do you have any idea how many people die in the Middle East over politics every single day? Horribly. I mean, the, the civilians in Yemen, that's really controversial. Should the U.S. be supporting Saudi Arabia? Some say they're intentionally targeting civilians. Hell, I don't know if they are, but, you know, a heck of a lot of people dying. Syria, Iraq, how many people got blowed up in the last 48 hours in Afghanistan? I don't think we reroute the, the, the battleship, well, the aircraft carrier, of American foreign policy over Ad Dude. Even if it is super ugly, here's your kind of a little more in the weeds theory. And I, I can't I can't decide if I believe this or not. But since this, the, the, the control of Saudi Arabia is in the hands of whatever mob boss has kind of risen to the top. Is it going to be Junior Soprano or is it going to be Tony? Well, I guess that was like a f- uncle son thing, but because that that's a big thing in Saudi Arabia, too. Who's whose kid? Who's who's uncle and granddad and the rest of it. Uh, But since that's always in flux, more or less, I wonder if our guys in the know, Pompeo and and the president and the uh, intelligence services, I wonder if they're getting serious uh, rumblings that that, uh, MSB is not the guy. We do not want to bet on that horse, or should I say camel. They actually have camel races in Saudi Arabia, so it's not uh, not an ethnic uh, stereotype. Is a camel faster than a horse? I doubt it. They're fairly fast, but they're kind of gangly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It certainly <laughs> stage a race between a, a camel and a horse. Are we talking typically or like the elite of each? There you, there you go. Thank well, you, the, the, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> apples to apples, the top five percent from either one, or the okay. middle ten percent from either. Right? Yeah. Okay. Com- yeah. Comparisons. Fair. Yeah. I, typically, I don't know. It seems, according to Google, about five miles an hour slower. Okay. Google would never lie to me. No. Unless no. it's about politics. <laughs> then they'll lie all the time. Oh, and about my data. They'd lie about my data. Oh, and about whether they're going to cooperate with the Chinese, the communist Chinese, to oppress the Chinese people in the name of profit. Other than that. But equestrian land speed? They're accurate. I think they're dead on. Right. So I just wonder whether our people have decided MBS is a wackadoo. And and we're trying to gently push him out. Because you can't do this sort of thing in public. 
that changes the the dynamics completely. There are, are whispering meetings and, and bargains being struck and coalitions being made and crumbling uh, as we speak, I'm sure. But who knows? So now that we've addressed the uh, relative foot speed of camels and horses, on to an historical uh, tidbit. It was on today's very date in 1867 that we bought Russia, I'm sorry, we bought Alaska from Russia for less than two cents an acre. You know, some of it's pretty remote, but still, that's a good price. It was $7.2 million. I have asked staff mathematician Positive Sean to uh, hit an uh, inflation calculator uh, to figure out if we were to buy Alaska for a similar price, what would that cost today? $122 million and a half dollars. There are houses that cost that. Not many of them, granted. And MBS bought it. <laughs> um, but that's $122 million bucks. Yeah. Wow, that's astounding. The Russians wanted to sell the remote, sparsely populated territory to America rather than risk losing it in a possible future war against the British, who at the time were you know, still the, the masters of the ocean with their, their giant navy. It was highly controversial. The deal was branded as Seward's Folly and Andrew Johnson's Polar Bear Garden. And it's more than <laughs> twice the size of Texas. According to Google, it lies. Yes, that's true. Right. So anyway, happy uh, buying Alaska Day. I'm gl- I, I, have you ever been? To, I've never been to Alaska. I would like very much to go to Alaska. Was that our most recent acquisition, or do we get Hawaii after that? Nobody knows. It's lost to the sands of history or the <laughs> the clouds of the fog of war. <laughs> anyway, shout out to whichever one was the last one, because 49 states isn't the same as 50. You know, it's funny. I used to know all that stuff. I, I remember what I don't remember pretty well. And uh, and those things are, that's on the list. I don't know. I know Hawaii's a state. If I go there, I don't have to show my passport. Um, <laughs> the, the, but the more trivial stuff, no. Hawaii oh, wow. was much more recent, wasn't it? Yeah, that was like 1959. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Sean. Please. So, uh, oh. We can just God. add states like that? We should keep doing that. So, Wallet Hub, which is uh, something or other, all I know is that they put out surveys all the time. They do lots and lots of research. It's a financial website, credit reports, and, and that sort of help you with your finances. But they're constantly uh, surveying the states and coming up with various statistics and uh, measures and that sort of thing. And uh, the most and least politically engaged states study is out. And I looked first at Corruptifornia. Um, and was not the least bit surprised to see that there to characterize California, or, or I would characterize California as a state with very, very low political involvement, very low engagement, but the best voter access policies, meaning they make it the easiest for anybody to vote. It's a gigantic state of people who are not paying attention and don't care. And so A can be duped into any stupid scheme that the powers that be get on the ballot. We've seen that over and over and over again. And B, those that do care politically, specifically the big unions, the big public employee unions, they get great turnout because a they're organized b they have a a critical self-interest and uh, you know they also run the levers of government in corruptifornia um but that's how you get the government that exists in in california 
Um, 43rd, 42nd, 43rd uh, place in voting in the last couple of elections. Number 50, the percentage of uh, voters who were registered for the last presidential election, ranked 50th of all the states. Um, Interesting. Let's see. Uh, Number one, political engagement. Surprise, District of Columbia. This is all the different scores muddled into one score. Uh, D.C., by far the most politically engaged. There's a shock. Then Maine, Utah, Maryland, and Washington State. Interesting. Maine. What's it about Maine? It's another place I've never been. Uh, Oregon's in 12th place overall. When you boil it all down, including ease of voting, California's in 24th place. But, um, like I said, I mean, that's, that's kind of misleading. It's the, uh, it's the fact that leads you farther from the truth. Nobody votes, nobody cares, nobody pays attention, nobody has any idea what's going on. You want to know about Alabama, Michael? Is that a request? I don't know. It's a very long list. Oh, Alabama's 49th. Congratulations, Bama. Stereotypes come from somewhere, huh? All right, rent control. Bad idea. Next, Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. For whatever you... The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack's children brought home another disease. His children will. He has some sort of stomach thing going on. It's not just their ability to be a harbinger of diseases, but something I've noticed as my friends are uh, very often childed now. Kids have a remarkable ability to cough directly into the face of their parent. They're doing them a favor by helping their immune system. Exactly. I encourage that. Kids, don't cover your mouth for God's... No. Right. Yeah. Well, kids are are free with their snot. (laughs) In short. They're uh, not shy about it. Uh, Some Mega Millions information coming up. The big lottery, including how Mega Millions manipulated odds to dupe you. Into spending your hard-earned dollars. Speaking of hard-earned dollars, there's a proposition that they're trying to get going in California, but this applies to every state, every city, uh, that toys with rent control. And Proposition 10 in California is... It's it's one of those complicated, like, triple reverse things. It undoes the ban on encouraging the ban of... Uh, of subsidizing rent control. So it makes it easier for cities to do rent controls. The rent is too damn high. Now, that may be true, but rent controls are about the worst way to approach it. Now, even in the liberal Bay Area of California, um, Prop 10 is losing. So I'm not that worried about it as a free market guy. Um, I'm surprised by that. Uh, that that in a very, very liberal area, that scheme, which is very popular amongst progressive types, um, would be that unpopular, but it gives me hope. Uh, as uh, one gent uh, puts it in the newspaper, rent control doesn't work and it has unintended consequences. That is absolutely true. And 
you know, there's a general principle here that I think is absolutely worth remembering. And one of my favorite quotes from Thomas Sowell, um, the great philosopher and writer, is that uh, much of the history of the 20th, 20th century was um, going away from doing what worked in favor of doing what sounds good. And you have to be careful about stuff that sounds good, especially when they trot it out on the ballot, because there are always consequences, and there are almost always big unintended consequences. And what you're trying to avoid is a principle called static analysis. Great example of this is if we raise the... Oh, you know what? Actually, San Francisco is is trying to get that idiotic Seattle big employer tax going. They're going to hammer a workday and... Uh, and in, in the big uh, sales tech company, force. Salesforce, yeah, um, they're going to hammer them with a the tax to get the homeless people off the street, which won't work, and those companies will relocate. But so, if you were to announce, okay, we're going to tax every business twenty five percent. Well, obviously, say you know you had uh, ten million dollars in revenue, you'd get twenty five percent of that into the city coffers, right? Wrong. That's static analysis. That assumes that only one thing will change. People react. Businesses react. Businesses will leave. They will find something else to do. They will begin cheating on their taxes. Everything will change, or a lot of things will change. Sunset will still be beautiful, and a puppy will still be fun to pet. But beware of the, if we just change this, only this will change. Because that happens all the time in... um, in government rent control is one of the first things you learn about in econ 101 and i'll, I'll tell you the world's more complicated than the econ, econ 101 would have it but they're trying to uh, teach you the you know the basic theories the basic principles but supply and demand rent control causes housing shortages a few people benefit beautifully and and it sounds good that mean cruel landlords can't raise your rent over and over again until you have to move out but overall, it does much more harm than good. In fact, Asser Lindbeck, who's a Swedish economist, who chaired the Nobel Prize Committee for many years, and they are no conservative firebrands, uh, once declared that rent control, quote, is the best way to destroy a city other than bombing. Who? Hell of a, that's a good quote, Asser. <laughs> Kicking the Asser Lindbeck, Swedish economist. Um, and so uh, there's a... A group of economists that were looking specifically at rent control in San Francisco, which has notoriously high housing costs, if you're not hip to that. I mean, you got to be rich to live in a doghouse in San the Francisco. rent is too damn high. Uh, you know, I agree. Um, unless you bought it, you know, your doghouse many years ago, and then you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, how to handle your taxes when you finally sell it. But anyway, um, this, uh, this woman, uh, Rebecca Diamond, and her colleagues used data from a private company that was able to combine public records to track the addresses of all San Francisco residents between 1980 and 2016, even if they moved out of California. It, that's a little scary. <laughs> they know where you've been, and they know where you went. But they studied the effect of changes in San Francisco's rent control policy, specifically in 1995. And, and the long and short of it is... Static analysis failed. Landlords had strong incentives to either convert rental units into condos 
or demolish old buildings and build new ones that were not grandfathered out, if you know what I mean, because older, newer buildings were affected differently than older buildings. So they adjusted what they did to avoid the policy that was going to screw them. And landlords affected by the policy reduced their rental unit supply by 15%. So if you put all landlords under you know the 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 this sort of regulation the chances are very very good that rental unit supply will decline dramatically and then the very people you you intended to hurt get screwed it's of very cold comfort that there's almost nothing you can do about rising property values and rising rents except let the market work and if you're the person who has to move to the suburbs and you don't want to, that sucks. And I agree with you, it sucks. But sometimes life sucks. John? is the In theory, is the free market solution to too high rent kind of reducing building restrictions or zoning restrictions to enable more supply? Like, yes, my question that is, would what, help. Is the free, what is the free market solution to that? Well, that, that would help a great deal if you get a little, if you moderate your uh, building uh, regulations uh, it, it's it's super duper complicated, especially in San Francisco, because a I don't know if you've ever seen it on a map. It's surrounded by water, ah, yeah. and they've pretty much thrown cement into a, as much of the bay as they dare to create new uh, new land. It's also incredibly earthquake prone, so it's never going to be cheap and easy to build housing in San Francisco. You can go up, but there are the beautiful, na- <clears throat> beautiful, colorful neighborhoods. That that people value and are aesthetically wonderful that you don't necessarily want a line of high rises in. So so it's complicated. But yes, that would that would be helpful. Also, if it wasn't waterlocked, that would help. Um, It's 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 tough. But like another great example of and I'm sorry, I'm really into this stuff. If you make it too expensive for any school teachers to live within a reasonable distance of your schools, the market will take care of that. It just takes a while. Nobody's going to want to live there if there are no teachers and no schools, or only people who can afford expensive private schools live there. And that has effects. That changes the nature of your city. And for better or worse, your city will change. But government imposing their vision of who ought to live there and what it ought to cost to live there will never work. It will have terrible unintended consequences. So vote no on this idiot uh, proposition that's losing anyway. Marsha Phillips joins us with the news headlines. Uh, what's up, Marsha? Well, we got another GOP senator, colorful John Kennedy, on the Khashoggi disappearance. Top Treasury official busted for leaking confidential info about Mueller suspects. And we've got worries about those security robots that are now patrolling various areas. I'm not worried about it. I like the idea of heavily armed robots rolling about. They have thermal eyes. Thermal eyes? Yes. Wow. Fabulous. Uh, That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Here I'm strong. You get a show. Welcome. Marshall Phillips has our news. Marshall. Well, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo back from Saudi Arabia, where he met with King Salman and the Crown Prince about the missing journalist, Mr. Khashoggi. 
who he said had made a, quote, serious commitment to hold senior leaders and officials accountable, and the Saudis said they denied any knowledge of what happened to the reporter. Pompeo telling reporters on Wednesday, Financial relationships between U.S. and Saudi companies, uh, governmental relationships, things we work on together all across the world, the efforts to uh, reduce the risk to the United States of America from the world's largest state sponsor of terror, Iran. He said, let's move slowly on this investigation because of all those ties. Meanwhile, when Pompeo touched down in Riyadh to discuss Khashoggi on Tuesday, the Saudis deposited $100 million into American accounts. The kingdom saying they had pledged the money in August to help the U.S. stabilize part of Syria, but the timing of the payment is raising questions as the Saudi leaders are denying being involved in the journalist's disappearance. Well, that's the sort of thing that, I mean, it could be one or it could be the other, and we'll never know. Were they due to make the payment, then they made the payment? I mean, are you going to accuse me of trying to bribe my mortgage company (laughs) by making my, my mortgage payment? I don't I don't know. This is all so murky. And you know, what's funny is we have not received expressions of outrage and concern from the audience about this case. We have, and, and, and granted, sometimes what we get is a reaction. And, and if you hear a lot of something, you feel no need to write in and say, yeah, me too. So sometimes, you know, correspondence can be misleading. But we're getting much more of the... Look, this guy was a Saudi citizen. Yep. Disappeared on Saudi sovereign territory, which a consulate or a uh, uh, an embassy is. Right. Um, he was part of the power structure there and had kind of uh, he'd gone the other way from the faction that's now in power. It's not our problem. Why would we divert the ship of the uh, the American foreign policy over this one dude? We're getting a lot of that. Which is obviously mm-hmm. going way against the, the narrative, the international narrative in right. the media especially. Meanwhile, a second Republican in the Senate now says the Saudis most likely had Khashoggi killed in Turkey, joining Lindsey Graham and blaming the Saudis' Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. Before he went in, uh, a group of Saudi Arabians uh, uh, went into the consulate and um, they took in a, a uh, an autopsy expert and a bone saw. They didn't take the bone saw in to, to play beer pong. What? All right, I get your brand is saying wacky stuff, but yes. try to have it make sense. Yes. What does a beer pong do? Is there a saw involved in beer pong, Positive Sean? Uh, well, it depends on which rules you're going with. Generally, no. Are there saw rules? <laughs> Generally, no, but sometimes the stakes get raised. Wow. All right. Well, if you can work a saw into it, I congratulate you. But what he doesn't address is why we care so much. Unless it is that, those with security clearances understand we're trying to push MSB out or into the background because we think he's dangerous. And all of this hullabaloo over one dude. I mean, Saudi Arabia kills dissidents all the time. All this hullabaloo over the one dude is us trying to pressure the Saudis to do something. Because I just, and I'm not a cold-hearted human. Uh, can this possibly be sincere moral outrage over one dude disappearing? I don't know. A senior official in the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network now charged with leaking confidential banking reports of suspects in the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. Natalie Mayflower Sowers Edwards. is How many names is enough, baby? (laughs) 
She's accused of leaking several suspicious banking activity reports about former Donald Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort, former Trump campaign consultant Richard Gates, and Maria Butina, who's accused of being a Russian agent who tried to infiltrate U.S. political organizations. Oh, she was the hottie who hung around the NRA a lot, right? Right. 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 Yeah. Now, the journalist... Had like 10 different looks to her. She's so obviously a Red Sparrow. Oh, I yeah. mean, she'd be oh, like, yeah. uh, uh, like a pigtailed schoolgirl in one right. picture. Right. Then she's the blonde femme fatale in the next one. Then she throws on a cowboy hat and a right. plaid shirt. She's like... She's like, uh, what was the thing on Star Trek: The Next Generation, where you, the 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 holodome, holodeck? Oh yeah, the holodeck. Yes. Where it could create right. any reality for you. <laughs> she was like a sex holodeck slash Russian right. spy. Right. Well, the journalist, Allegedly, the journalist the reports were leaked to isn't named in this report, but the court documents list several stories BuzzFeed has written in the past. Mm. So, there you go. Going after more leakers. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles, the now Los Angeles Chargers. Boo! Boo! <laughs> their financial health after moving from San Diego to L.A. is being debated these days. ESPN first reporting the team's been having trouble selling out games in their temporary home in L.A., the StubHub Center, the tiniest stadium in the NFL. And that a large number of the seats that are sold are actually going to fans of that game's opposing team. Sure. Yeah. A very common uh, little Twitter game by a lot of football reporters are taking a picture of the home games at the Chargers and saying, can you find the Chargers fans in this crowd? Wow. (laughs) And it's just a a sea of red or whatever the opposing team's color is. Well, you know, I could absolutely see a lot of people around America, especially in football season, saying, hey, do you want to go to L.A. to watch... The Packers, right? Uh, play the Rams, and uh, well, I'm sorry, not the the Rams, but the uh, Chargers, the Chargers, yeah, the San Diego Chargers. If there is a God, um, <laughs> I could see that being a reality. Right. On the other hand, has there been a more predictable outcome than L.A., which loses football teams over and over again because they just don't get fan support because there's too much to do and people are at the beach? So all of a sudden, having two football teams and that being a disastrous idea. Has there been a smaller surprise in the history of sports? God, how dumb. But now even looking ahead, the forecast for the Chargers' future revenues once they move to the new stadium set to open in 2020 are not really dazzling NFL owners and executives. And one of the major clues coming from the season ticket prices the Chargers announced for the new stadium not that they can be called cheap, cheap, given the fact you can always watch games at home for free. Right, but th- which is way better. I, I don't think I will ever go to another NFL game. Really? Uh, no. I understand why some people go, because it's an all-day party with right. your friends, right. if you do it like that. But in terms of watching the sports game, way better at home. A thousand times better. It turns out a third of the new stadium seats, 26000 will be priced between $50 and $90 per seat per game. And the seat license fee for the Chargers, 100 bucks, Or the cheapest seat license offered by the Rams is $8,000. Wow. Oh, wow. A lot, of, lot yeah. of questions now being asked about the Chargers move. Marshall, we're about out of time for this yes. segment. Uh, can you tell us about the scary, scary death robots next? Oh, yeah. Patrolling security robots already being used in a number of places. In fact, one of the company's CEOs describes them as a robot with five cameras, one used for thermal imaging data. They can see information like license plate numbers. They see people walking, detect heat, 
and they can even see which cell phone serial numbers are being used in their patrolling areas. The information that's gathered is... What? The information... They can sniff cell phone numbers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now you got my attention. And they shoot death rays out of their eyes, right? They've got thermal imaging eyeballs. Uh, same thing. This has uh, All this has led to a lot of concerns about what can be done with all that data. Because the information is sent to an internet, internet-based portal that helps security forces on the ground. The co- okay. <laughs> the company says the information is all secured and is only seen by the security agent that is controlling the robot. Yeah, I realize this is as obvious as the Chargers should not move to Los Angeles, but uh, privacy is dead. Dead, dead, dead. Because I like this idea. We have, uh, where the the radio ranch is, uh, scary bums about from time to time. And I like the idea of something, anything deterring them. But if it's going to sniff my license plate, my cell phone number, and I presume I'll call my wife, it'll know her number and the rest of it. All because the landlord wants it? Or or who's employing these things? Is it private businesses it, it, mostly? These are, these are private security companies. They build them and they right. rent them out. I've seen them, them most like, yep. the most commonly at uh, sporting events, like yep. NBA games. I've seen them at several times. Where do they patrol? Outside uh, the stadium? Yeah, outside the stadium. Mostly when uh, the... I've seen them most when fans are leaving. They're, they're kind of just in their docking station when the games are pregame. Yeah, it's but like actually, a Roomba. <laughs> yeah, and then it's exactly like that. It's, yeah. a, it's a four-foot-tall Roomba. Yeah. That, well, what's it for at a sports ball game? Um, it's a, the, the illusion of security. Uh, it, it, ah. It's you and, know, and probably the, the video capabilities. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, if a fight breaks out or something, it can send it back to a monitoring station and you know, and, and actual, kill people with the death rays yes, out of their in eyes. In theory, yeah, if I see a crime, I can go yeah. tip it over, and then it you know beeps <laughs> back at the control room, so then people know what's up. I guess <laughs> I, I don't really know. Or if you're really drunk, you can fight it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Marsh. Thanks very much. So look out for the thermal eyes and the uh, and the skill saw hands. <laughs> If they don't have that, they're fools. You want to hear from Squawky? I do. Squawky Randy Liberty Bell with the bald eagle. Shocking and outrageous. What do you do if you win the Supergiant Lotto Prize, the Mega Millions Prize? What is the first thing you do? I will tell you so you'll be prepared when you win. And it would probably be appropriate to send a tip. If you win for this information, which we'll have next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. Hi, folks. You want to hear from Squawky? I do. Squawky Randy Liberty Bell with the bald eagle. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome. Did my voice sound quieter than everybody else's on that playback? I don't think so. Do you have any idea what you're doing, Michael? Uh, he doesn't even answer. No, it, it sounded just He's fine, He's afraid Joe. of being caught in a lie. It sounded just fine. Okay. Uh, we are getting texts, though, and uh, Squawky's fine. He's moving. I mean, <laughs> He's moving. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we have a, a bald eagle chained in the control room to symbolize freedom. 
If you win the now $868 million Mega Millions jackpot, here's what you do. First of all, it's probably worth mentioning that if you win that jackpot, you will have won, putting aside the fact that you don't actually get that much, and then there's taxes, you will have won more than the gross domestic product of Samoa and Vanuatu and Tonga. Hell, you'll you'll double the Tongan total economic output. Also, Dominica? Some of these countries are made up. I'll be danged. What is what is that list over there? Oh, let's go to number one, because I know who's number one. Oh yeah. The US of A. Even if the European Union is a, a single entity, we still win. Um, according to the International Monetary Fund, we beat China by $7 trillion? Is that? It's expressed in millions of dollars, and it's 12,000 million something or other. Anyway, take that, China. Uh, we still win. Uh-huh. So anyway, you win the lottery. Here's what you do. Um, first of all, get off the Internet. Shut down all your, all your accounts. The media is going to try to find pictures of you. They're going to try and find information. They'll Ken Bone you, etc. Shut down all of your accounts. How am I going to tweet out pictures of my fat stacks? If you're, if if somebody's really determined to track you down, they will. But uh, make it as hard as possible. Tell as few people as possible. This is all about privacy, obviously. It said, uh, obviously, it may be impossible to keep this from immediate family. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But news like this travels quickly, duh. They also say, uh, plan to skip town immediately after claiming the prize. Go somewhere else far away. Just being out of town for a few days can help. In the 24-hour news cycle, interest in the winter winter will disappear after a few days, probably. If you can avoid being around for a week, you might be able to escape the initial exposure. If you can avoid being around for a week, you have $800 million dollars. You can avoid being around for the rest of your life if you'd like. So when it says... I gotta go to work. Don't tell a lot of people. Does that include me going into work and just telling everybody to kiss my ass? Well, there's that. There's that. That's a matter of personal style. Hmm. Actually, the first thing you do... It's funny, it doesn't say <laughs> this. The The very first thing you do is, is you hire an attorney. And then... And they, start suing people? No, idiot. No. Um, you, you hire an attorney and you create a trust... Um, so that you cannot be tied personally to the win. You can remain anonymous in a lot of states. And the law is evolving on this. There are a lot of states that say you have to have that name publicly accessible, which means the media gets it and everybody knows, for the obvious reason that what if, like, you never know who won, and it's the people who won the lottery they win every time. I'll be damned. And nobody knows it because it's all anonymous. So... It's a safeguard, theoretically, but it will turn you into the world's, you know, fattest, slowest gazelle on the African plain, and every predator in the world is going to come at you. There will be no shortage of people trying to get you to invest in their car washes and restaurants. It would never end. And the parade of relatives. See, this is, it's a shame Jack's not here, because this is his jihad, that it would ruin your life if you won one of these big jackpots, because it would change 
fundamentally, every single relationship in your life, some a little, you have a happy, healthy marriage, you'd probably be fine. There would be stresses and weirdness, though, because every other relationship would change if people knew. Your friends, your your kids, if you have kids, your relatives, your distant relatives, your friends you haven't heard from in 30 years. I mean, it would be you. You would be employed full time dealing with it, unless you go somewhere else, hang out only with super rich people, which would again be super dislocating. So anyway, the uh, first thing is you hire a lawyer and you keep it as quiet as humanly possible. Just be quiet. So now that you're prepared for what to do when you win the lottery, next segment we'll be talking about if you are attacked. By a shark on dry land, <laughs> which is every bit as likely, but um, terrifying. Well, unexpected. Let's Just make yourself there. big. That's right. Make yourself big. Make a lot of noise. Get back, shark! Get back, shark! That's what you do. So, interesting stats on self-driving car accidents. They're not what they're portrayed to be. And also, it's okay to be a hater on Twitter. If you're Louis Farrakhan and you're going after the Jews, Twitter's got no problem with that, apparently. Stay with us. That much more. The Armstrong and Getty Show.